All right, we're going to start in Luke 17. If you grew up in Sunday school, it's a story you'll be really familiar with in Luke 17. But today we're talking about gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is the condition of our hearts that produces thanksgiving, right? So thanksgiving is how we express gratitude. Uh, but you don't really have thanksgiving unless you've got gratitude in your heart, right? That's where it starts. Has anybody ever given you a compliment and you're like, they don't mean that. <laughs> That's not coming from a true place, <laughs> right? Um, and it makes you more guarded. That compliment did not draw you near. It made you be like, I got my eye on you, <laughs> right? I don't know what your angle is. I don't know, right? So we can try to manufacture Thanksgiving. And sometimes you just do it because you're like, I just need to let my mouth start moving so my heart can follow. So that's not a bad thing. But how many of you know what we want is we want it in our hearts. We want to have gratitude. We can actually cultivate gratitude deeply in our hearts. Gratitude has nothing to do with your circumstance. We tend to tell ourselves it does. Like, well, if I had their life, I would, I would be happy. I'd be thankful. I'd be, right? Gratitude actually has zero to do with your circumstance. People in some of the worst circumstances learn how to cultivate gratitude and those terrible circumstances turned around for good, right? They weren't being led by their circumstance, they led their circumstance. Like I might be in it now, but this isn't where it ends because I get to lead if I choose to, right? How you doing? Okay, so we're talking about gratitude today. Gratitude is the canvas that God-given destinies are written on. You are here to leave a footprint right? And the footprint that God has given you to leave is going to reflect his glory, right? But you were put here to leave a footprint. And so there is a canvas you can write that destiny God has made for you on, and it's gratitude. How many of you know that a lot of people never feel the destiny they are made for, right? Their lives are like a drop in the bucket. They're here, they're gone, there's zero impact, at least positively, <laughs> right? We don't want to live those kind of lives. God has made you for a purpose. He has ordered the steps of the righteous. And gratitude is that canvas that that destiny starts getting written on. I'm going to prove it to you. Have you ever had a boss who wouldn't give you a fair shake? Anybody have a boss who wouldn't give you a fair shake? Have you ever had someone lie about you and there is no way to undo all the damage they've done? Anybody had that circumstance? Yeah. Ever been in a relationship, maybe even a marriage, with someone who despitefully used you? You don't have to raise your hand for that one, I'm just saying. If you want to, you totally can. Okay. <laughs> right? We've all had circumstances that are bad. And it doesn't always take two to tango. I kind of even hate that phrase. Like, it's good to think about what's my responsibility in this, but you know what? There's a lot of people who can tango on their own straight through your life. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have to do anything to make it happen. But what you allow to settle in your heart in those moments will determine your destiny. What you allow to settle in your heart in those moments will determine your destiny. How many of you got me? You, right? And sometimes even in the moment you're doing good because you're vigilant about it. And then later on, months later, even years later, you realized, oh, Something did settle there. Hmm. 
How many of you had to root things out years later where you're like, oh, I didn't even know that that took seed and it did. And you got to pluck it out. But what you allow to take root in those moments, that's going to determine your destiny. Luke 17. Many of you will be familiar with this. this if you're new to the faith, you may not be. It's a story about Jesus. Um, and he's going to a city uh, to preach the gospel. And he runs into some lepers. Now, in the first century, if you were a leper, your life was not awesome. <laughs> right? There's actually still leprosy in the world. I did not know that until recently. There are still lepers in the world. There are very few. Um, it's been mostly eradicated. Uh, but it's a skin disease. But it will, like, it'll eat your skin down to the... Like, you'll start losing limbs. It's like really horrible. You start losing like the soft tissue and it's really disfiguring and it's super contagious. And that time it was super contagious, right? And so lepers actually had to live outside the city. They weren't allowed to touch people. And if they had to come in to get stuff, they had to ring a bell so everyone knew so they could like run away. So talk about a life of isolation, <laughs> difficult circumstances, you just got a highly contagious disease, right? Not your fault. Um, and now you live this kind of life of isolation and like, like people say like, run away like it's the plague. That's actually what happened, right? That's actually, people actually would uh, treat you in this way. And so Jesus comes across these lepers and here's what happens. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not tw ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. That's a powerful story, isn't it? It's a powerful narrative. Um, so first of all, Samaritans were kind of, they were the outcast to the Jews, right? Uh, to the Samaritans, the Jews were outcasts to them. Um, and so there was this, uh, there was definitely this, um, not rivalry, but like this tension between the two people groups. And so the Samaritans, even though they were half Jewish, were considered foreigners. And so they didn't have anything to do with each other, right? Um, and so Jesus not only um, comes near to the lepers who were supposed to be in isolation, he bridges that gap of isolation, right? And he tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests. So if you were sick um, and you would go to the priest, that's what would happen. And the priest could actually say, because there are certain sicknesses that would isolate you or certain things that would happen in life that would isolate you. And you'd have to go to the priest and he would say you're cleansed or you're well. And then you could re-enter society. You could function normally again. So he's basically saying, go to the doctor and let them pronounce that you're well. This thing has happened. Now listen, they didn't get healed when he said that. It said once they turned and went on their way, they were healed. That encourages me. Because sometimes, how many of you prayed in the moment and the thing hasn't happened? Right? right? right. Sometimes, and what he was telling them to do is, in their sick condition, go and show yourself to the priest so he can call you well. And 
internally, you want to argue with that when you're not well yet. Do you know what I'm saying? So he's saying begin to function as though it's true. Now, listen, I'm not giving you medical advice here. I'm not saying stop taking medication. I'm not saying anything like that. But what I'm saying is there's an issue here a lot of times, right? Where if we don't see the thing happen immediately, all of a sudden we start making excuses for why it's not going to happen. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to hold on to my faith. And I'm going to go on my way believing. Are you with me? Okay, so he says, go and show yourselves. And as they were on their way to the priests, um, they realized we're, they were healed. They were being healed. And the one leper stops doing what they were doing, which is going to the priest, turns around and realizes the bigger priority is thanking the one who gave me this. The priest is going to be there tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? I can do the functional things in a minute. But Jesus was on his way. He was walking. He, who knows where he was going as, as far as the leper knew, right? And he thought, I'm not going to miss my chance while the presence of God is here to go and thank him. The priest will still be there tomorrow. Come on, there's something in that for us, right? You have those moments where you can feel that God is drawing you near. And you're like, let me just get dinner done. <laughs> let me just get, right? Let me just, and he's, there's just a moment, a moment right now that he draws us into. How many of you had that? And you have to make choices all the time. Listen, he's ordered your steps. He knows all the things you have to do. He's not going to throw you off track. How many of you have found when you surrendered those moments where God's just like, just take a second. What he's actually doing is infusing you with grace because he actually does know what's coming next. He's actually giving you what you need and he will maximize your time. How many of you have found when you're taking time for a daily rhythm in God's presence, you get way more work done? Then the days you're like, I'm so busy, I just can't stop right now. And you find all your work takes 10 times longer, right? You didn't realize how much grace you were just living out of and producing out of. It's like Joseph when he got sold into slavery and ended up in Potiphar's house, right? What happens at Potiphar's house? He gets elevated. Why does he get elevated? Because he's so good at what he does? No, because God gave him competencies, it says. He learned how to do things he didn't even know how to do because the Lord taught him, right? If we will take time for God, he will maximize our time. He will maximize our effort. He will give us competencies. We don't even know where they came from. Some of you right now are doing jobs you didn't train formally to do and God has elevated you in ways that you didn't even do all the steps you should have. But he just has a way of elevating Joseph's. He just has a way. Okay? People whose hearts are turned toward him. I'm going to talk quieter so I don't disturb the baby. Okay. I'll do, the I'll do the soothing voice better. Okay, so... Unexpressed gratitude is like a seed that never gets planted. Ten lepers get healed. One comes back. And Jesus marks it. Weren't there, weren't there ten? That'd be a bummer. If like later on, someone's like, hey, by the way, Jesus said, uh, yeah, that'd be a huge bummer. <laughs> that'd be a huge bummer. Right? But here's, here's a lesson for us. Unexpressed gratitude is like a seed that never gets planted. Thanksgiving is expressed gratitude. Unexpressed gratitude is the seed, not just for other people, but for us that doesn't get planted. 
when we express gratitude, one, we remind other people of what's true. How many of you know we need each other? We forget who we are. We forget what we're doing. We forget where we're going sometimes. And when people begin to express like, hey, I just see God working in you in this way. And man, you're such a blessing. And that, like when people express the gratitude they feel towards you and you think, oh, that's stupid. They know that about themselves. There can't be too much encouragement in the house. It's not like we'll encourage each other so much that people will get a big head. Man, that way of thinking is from the pit of hell. I'm just telling you right now. There can't be too much encouragement in the house. So if someone in this house has encouraged you and you're like, oh, they probably know that's so powerful when they speak, or they probably know it's so powerful when, I mean, I, it's so fun because I get to hear people say things all the time like, hey, when Andrew talks, man, that just hits me right there. When Amber talks, man, you can just tell God's doing stuff. And I'm like, have you told them? Have you told them? Like, <laughs> right? Or when this person prays for me, man, it's so powerful. And so often I'm hearing people, what they're expressing is this gratitude, like this person interacts with God, then they interacted with me, and this thing happened. And people need to actually hear that because we get weary in well-doing, don't we? And when we can see like, oh, it does make a difference. Like we can start thinking that what we have to bring doesn't matter. But when someone expresses gratitude, when they express thanksgiving, gratitude to their heart, right? It reminds us who we are. Reminds us what we're doing, why we're doing it. And should we be needy and have to have that? No, but man, Oh, sometimes you need gravy on the mashed potatoes. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes. It's just nice to have gravy. So good. So, I mean, just for a second, look around this house. Look behind you and around you. Like how many people in this house have blessed you, have really had a moment where, men you're like so thankful, so thankful. And you know what? Especially don't forget to thank spiritual moms and dads because I think that often I think we just think they just know they're awesome, right? Like we just think Ken just knows he's awesome. Ken just knows that everyone respects him and looks to him and watches his example. Like he just knows that, right? But sometimes it's nice for someone to be like, Ken, you're like a rock. Like you create like a dependable strength in the house. Thank you. Like don't you just, sometimes it's just good to, it's just good not just to hear it, but it's good for everyone, right? To experience like, yeah, that's right. That, I love that person. Like, it stirs up all the right things in us when we express thanksgiving and out of this gratitude of our hearts. It's so good. But listen, gratitude with no thanksgiving, here's this seed that has tons of potential, never got put in the ground. Bummer. And not just a bummer for everybody else who didn't get to hear our gratitude, but how many of you know Thanksgiving takes a little bit of humility? Encouraging someone, you actually humble yourself. How many of you have found that? It's a, it's a humble thing to say, here's who you are in my life. Here, thank you for this. Thank you for, right? Oh, they just know. What I'm saying is I've made room for people and people are scary. <laughs> people can be scary. What I'm saying is, out loud, I've made room. You have access to my heart in some way. It's a good position for us to be in. How many of you know humility? Man, the Lord, he is close. 
to the brokenhearted. He is close to the humble. The arrogant he despises. We should practice it. Okay, I'm just going to keep leaning this way. Psalm 116.12 What shall I render to the Lord for all of his goodness to me? What shall I render to the Lord for all of his goodness to me? When I count in my heart all the Lord has done, when I'm cultivating gratitude by reflecting on what the Lord has done, what should I render when I see all the goodness? And it says, I will lift up the cup of salvation. What shall I render to the Lord? Right? So there's this sense of, I mean, it's not the primary, it's the sense of like toasting to the Lord, like the cup of salvation, look what you've given to me. But also like you lift up the cup of salvation, right? You show what he has done for you. It brings him glory. But you also lift up the cup of salvation, which means refill. <laughs> like, like when I recount what he's done for me, I realize he's so good. I think, why am I trying to do this all by myself? I lift up my cup of salvation and realize he can, fill, he can top it off. How good, because the Psalms are the Holy Spirit inspiring someone to talk to him, right? And so it's this really cool, like God is the one who inspired it. The Holy Spirit inspired that verse. And he's saying, when you recount what I have done for you, don't be afraid to lift up your cup of salvation and say, man, it's half empty. Fill it up. We get to celebrate communion today. We're just reflecting on what he's done. It reminds us of all the stuff we picked back up that he's already carried. Right? And we get to express this thankfulness to him. Thank you for what you've done. My cup, I splashed on people this week and I, I'm half Right? Fill me up. Fill me up. Belly up to the bar. In a non-alcoholic way. <laughs> In a Holy Spirit way. Right? Gratitude shrinks our problems and difficulty. Right? We start realizing what a huge issue we have. And as you cultivate gratitude, you reflect on the goodness of God. You reflect on what he's doing in your life. You reflect on goodness. It shrinks your problems. The difficulty that seems so huge begins to seem small. You begin to see your problem through the lens of God rather than God through the lens of your problem. Right? Psalm 71, O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me and rescue me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me and set me free. Be my rock of safety, where I can always hide. Give the order to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. My God, rescue me from the power of the wicked, from the clutches of cruel oppressors. O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted in you, O Lord, from childhood. So right, first there was the need. Bad stuff is happening. <laughs> Rescue me. And now he begins to reflect, but haven't you always, from childhood, haven't you always done this? Oh Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted in you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. And now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. For my enemies are whispering against me. They are plotting together to kill me. They say God has abandoned him. 
Let's go and get him, for no one will help him now. Oh God, don't stay away. My God, please hurry to help me. Bring disgrace and destruction on my accusers. Humiliate and shame those who want to harm me. But I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power, though I am not skilled with words. I will your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. O oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things that you do. And if you skip on down to the bottom, because he's going to go on for a little bit, and we just won't have time. 22, then I will praise you with music on the heart because you are faithful to your promises, O oh my God. I will sing praises to you with a lyre, O holy one of Israel. I will shout for joy and sing your praises for you have ransomed me. I will tell about your righteous deeds all day long. For everyone who tried to hurt me has been shamed, has been humiliated. You have saved me. Okay, started with, they're out to get me, save me, O oh Lord. Everyone's trying to kill me, right? And they actually were right? In that circumstance. And what, is he, what does he end with? But you have always fulfilled your promise. What is he doing? He's recounting what God has done. He's remembering how faithful he has been. But you have done this for me. You've done that for me. Here's, I, I can trust your promises. And so he ends, when he started in distress, where does he end after praise and after thanksgiving? Where does he end? Of course you'll fulfill this promise. Of course you'll fulfill your promises. I can sleep. I can rest. I don't have to be a bundle of anxiety, and right? I'm gonna lay my head on the pillow tonight because I remembered who you are. All I could see today was the circumstance when I stopped, right? To cry out to you, and I remembered who you are. So gratitude shrinks problems and difficulty, right? It puts it in proper perspective, what's actually true. Gratitude fuels obedience. When we look at what God has done, it makes us want to obey him, right? Following him becomes less about obedience and more about love when you see how good he is, right? Martin Luther famously said, love God, then do whatever you want. <laughs> love God, then do whatever you want. What is he saying? Because once you realize how good he is, once you love him, you will follow him. You will do it his way when you love him. You don't have to worry about obedience, gotta do it right, gotta dot the I's and cross the T's. When you love him, it is the natural order of things. Where is he? What is he doing? That's where I am, right? I don't wanna go in this way where his presence won't be found because I love him. Gratitude fuels obedience. When I reflect on his goodness, right? It stirs up love. If you've ever, um, have you ever done an exercise, uh, if, you've, if you've been married or are married, um, have you ever done an exercise where you're frustrated and instead you're like, I am going to think of 10 things. Why? I married this person. It's a good exercise to do when you, on a day when you're frustrated. You're looking at me like, Pastor Rachel, never... When you realize you're frustrated, it's good to stop because we're usually frustrated about this thing when we married this person for all these big things they bring all the time, right? It's a good thing to stop and... Hmm. 
What is it? Why do we do that? If you have a therapist, they'll tell you to do it. Why do you do it? Why? Why, why, why? Why? Because it stirs up love. You remember this is why. Right? I didn't have an arranged marriage. He chose me. I chose him. And there are so many good reasons why. And it stirs up love. Rather than focusing on the one thing and living in discontent, it stirs up love and peace. And it puts that thing in perspective that's frustrating. I'm not trying to minimize that people have real things to work through at times, but it puts it in perspective, right? Man, we gotta go wide in the house. <laughs> and this is what Martin Luther is saying, like, listen, love him, then do what you want. When love is stirred up, you don't have to work on being kind. You wanna be kind, you wanna, right? You're wanting to nurture that relationship. I was gonna tell you a story, but I just realized, are, are all of our kids in the house? Two? Hey, who's here? Hey, Luke. Okay, I'll, I can tell you this one then. Is Max helping in kids' class? Okay, okay, so just you guys know. Okay, so, um, like last year, um, getting Max to shower was really hard. <laughs> um, and it would just go a long time. And finally, I'd be like, you absolutely have to today. Like, you have to. Um, like, there was times I was like, I'm actually going to turn on the hot water. Because I was like, this is getting ridiculous. I don't want to baby him, but oh my word. You have to clean yourself. <laughs> you have to use soap. Um, horrible. And I did notice, too, just as a mom, um, he was in a very small Lutheran school last year. He's transferred now. He's in junior high. And I did see his class picture, and I thought, wow. Um, it's a very small class. There's maybe like six girls. And I was like, these girls aren't trying at all. Um, I just remember being in sixth grade. I was already like doing that curling iron and stuff. I looked at this class picture, and it's fine with me because he doesn't need to be in a girl right now. But I was surprised, like hairs going everywhere and... Like, I think I saw some breakfast. Like, I was like, what is going on with the girls in the sixth grade class? They're kind of all just frightening. And I thought, well, that's fine with me as a mom, honestly. It's fine. And he was totally, this year he transferred to a bigger school. He's in seventh grade. And I noticed that he began showering every day. And I was like, <laughs> I felt really safe about the other place because I saw the picture. <laughs> And now I was like, mm. so Mitch and I were on our computers in our bed. It's like bedtime, and um, the kids are going to bed. He gets out of the shower. He comes in to say goodnight, which he does every night. And um, I said, so what's the, what's the scoop on the girls at Paragon? A little different from the girls at Trinity? And he, my husband's my witness, he went straight up like this. He spun around, he fell on our bed, bounced off, fell on the floor, and left our room. <laughs> so that's a yes. That's, that's, that's a yes. I have not one time this year said, could you please shower? Not one time. Because guess what? Something that feels not love too young but his heart is a bit stirred and when your heart is stirred 
you don't have to worry about, like, I should shower. You do showers. Love him. And then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Love him. Then do whatever you want. Because, right, it will follow relationship. It'll, you, want, you want to be in his presence. Okay. Gratitude invites us into vulnerability. This is the big one for us in this house because we've really focused a lot on we want to have spiritual mothers and fathers in our life and spiritual brothers and sisters and spiritual sons and daughters. And for a lot of different reasons we won't go into today, I think sometimes in the church world things are weird. Like we act weird about men and women and sometimes things are weird. Can, I just, can we just all acknowledge it? Sometimes we make it way more harder than it needs to be. Like we need to live holy and we also need to live in genuine relationship with one another. I need spiritual brothers in my life. I should have spiritual sons and daughters, both, in my life. I need spiritual moms and dads in my life. I need both of those things. Listen, guys, you need spiritual sisters in your life. It will make, if you're married, it will make your wife's job so much easier. Because think about sisters. A sister will tell you, like, oh, that is dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like, sisters will tell you the truth. Brothers will tell you the truth about stuff. And brothers are protective. And you know, it's good. There should be healthy, healthy relationship. And you can't have that without vulnerability. Because when you're vulnerable, people actually see you. Right? Gratitude invites us into vulnerability. When we're vulnerable, we dare to be seen. When you're vulnerable, you also ask for what you need. You also show up in the moment. When you're vulnerable, you show up. Right? When you're vulnerable, you let people know what you need. Um, I think sometimes in the church we have like a Christian politeness, which we think is a good thing when it actually keeps us from living honestly sometimes. And we feel like I've taken the high road. You can't believe how they talk to me, but I took the high road. Like the fact that you're telling me that <laughs> tells me you didn't. You just acted polite to their face, but you're mad. And you probably should have had an honest conversation. It may not have been what's like a kind, honest conversation. Always kind, but honest, right? Because you weren't honest with them, now you're dumping this on me. Go back and have the conversation you should have had. Christians should live honestly, kind. If you're a hothead, you might need a minute before you have that honest conversation because you should always be kind. But right? And we're telling ourselves inside, I took the high road. No, you didn't. You were a coward. We've all been that coward. <laughs> we, we have all, right? How are we doing? When you are vulnerable, you actually ask her what you need. When someone's coming in low, you say, man, I need you to come in higher. 
I feel super disrespected right now. I actually tell people what I need, right? When you're vulnerable, you tell people, like, you don't get upset because you're like, man, I've been in the hospital for a week and no one's come to visit. Of course, I didn't tell anybody. And I didn't ask anyone to come, but I'm going to be really upset they didn't. <laughs> That's not okay. People don't know what you need unless you tell them. And you know what? I am not ever going to get into, like, reading minds because I don't have... For what God's called me to do and you to do, we don't have the bandwidth for that kind of codependence. Let's just be real. So listen, if I'm at home and I'm not feeling well and I feel like, man, why doesn't anyone in the church know I'm so sick today? Do any of them love me? I give so much. <laughs> Come on, this is a laughing moment. I mean, laugh. <laughs> I do so much, right? I don't think no. Instead, if there's something I need, or if I'm like, I just want someone to come pray for me, I'm going to pick up my phone because there are a million people who love me and care about me and I'm going to say, listen, I need prayer. Whether you do it on the phone or whether you can come over here, I don't know, but I need it. I guarantee you, if you call one person like that, they're going to bring 10 and you're going to get the thing you need because you told somebody what you need. Now, when I'm sick, I don't want anyone coming over. You can pray with the phone. I don't want anyone to come over. I first discovered this when, I, when we had our first baby. I had an emergency C-section. I'd never been sick before. And in general, I hadn't been sick rarely ever. And um, people show up at the hospital. They would hear about it. They show up at the hospital. I was thinking, that's terrible. Why do people do that? Like, people should not do that. That's horrible. You're kind of sleeping. You look, you're a mess. People are like, hey, just come to say hi. And I'm like, what? Who thinks that's a good idea? Other people are like, thank you so much, right? You just never know. So you know what? I wait to be invited. You want me to come over? And I, will, I will be there with bells on. I will come to your house. I will come to your hospital room. I will do it the same day if I'm in the state. I will be there. But I'm not coming if you don't call me. Because I don't want you coming to my house when I'm sick. <laughs> I don't want to develop a reciprocal relationship like that. Because that's not what I want. But if that's what you want, I will be there with bells on. 10, 15 people. Come on. You get what I'm saying? When you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you ask for what you need. It means I'm making room in my life. When I don't ask for what I need, it's because I'm, I'm dealing with a humility problem. To ask for what I need actually makes me humble myself and say, you know what? I actually do need people. I actually am not doing good by myself in this. <laughs> I actually am going to make room for you. And me asking is telling you you're valued. How you doing? I thought that would be a funny one. It got quiet. Okay. <laughs> And we need vulnerability if we're going to be healthy. Uh, I really like Brene Brown. She doesn't write um, Christian per se at all. But she's a researcher, and she researches things like vulnerability and courage. And in her book, Daring Greatly, she talks about this study they did where they asked um, people what vulnerability was. And these were some of the top answers that she got. The first date after my divorce. Trying to get pregnant again after three miscarriages. <laughs> 
sitting with my wife in stage four breast cancer, making plans for our children. Oh my word, what's... I'm fine. <laughs> Picking up the phone and making a call to someone who just had a great loss. Right? Am I going to have the right thing to say? Maybe I just shouldn't. So people stay isolated. Whew. Take some vulnerability, pick up the phone and just say, I'm just going <sighs> to let them know I'm here and hope I don't screw it up. <laughs> right? Gratitude invites us into vulnerability. And in gratitude, we're allowing ourselves to recount what the Lord has done. We're allowing ourselves to feel what is good in life. Right? Not just to know. We, how many of you know there's times especially when things aren't awesome. God needs to redeem your feelings. <laughs> and gratitude, recounting what he has done, recounting the good that has come into your life from people he's brought into your life, saved and unsaved. It allowed you to feel what is good. And sometimes we need to feel what is good. Right? Okay. Why don't we allow ourselves to know where to feel what is good? Right? Fear. When we allow ourselves to feel gratitude and joy, we immediately, almost immediately try to suppress it. Check yourself on it. We do it all the time. We constantly, given just our own nature, rehearse disappointment, but not gratitude. Think of it this way. If you had kids, or you've babysat kids, you go and you look at them sleeping, and you're like, oh, everything's good with the world. Almost immediately, your thoughts turn toward, if anything ever happened to them, what would I do? Almost immediately. Instead of allowing yourself to feel that moment of fullness and things are good, you almost immediately are saying, what would happen if the worst happened? Could I handle it? I don't want to feel too good because the fall would be too great if I lose that. How do you know what I'm talking about? And so we rehearse disappointment when we, allow, when we begin to feel gratitude and joy. We almost immediately start thinking of worst case scenarios and what if this went wrong? That's fear. Will things go wrong in life? Absolutely. Rehearsing them won't. Not a bit. Mm -hmm but gratitude will. Gratitude is the petri dish in which vulnerability can grow. Because when I'm thinking what the Lord has done, when I'm thinking of what is good, I make room for people. When I'm rehearsing disappointment and thinking about what's gone wrong, what happens? I'm defensive. I don't let people in. I look out for the next disappointment. I'm sure they'll disappoint me. And guess what? People will. Your gratitude or ingratitude is not going to stop that. But gratitude and vulnerability is going to allow a lot of healthy people into your life. And it's going to give you a stability for when the bad things do happen. How are we doing? Are we good? Okay. Let's bring it home. Real quick, gratitude steadies us. It puts situations into perspective. When we can see the good as well as the bad, it becomes more difficult to complain and stay stuck. Gratitude puts our problems in perspective. We talked about it a little bit earlier. 
But what it'll do is it'll take complaining, it'll eradicate it from our lives, right? When we see the good as well as the bad, we're less likely to stay stuck and complain. Listen, I just want to say this. Complaining is sin. Complaining is sin. Complaining is me um, trying to, we talked about control last week, only thinking of myself in control of situations. I'm frustrated with people. I'm, right? I need to spread my... (laughs) I'm imagining the situation without God in it is what I'm doing. Once you imagine the situation with God in it, right, there's... It changes your whole heart. Complaining is a terrible thing. Terrible thing. It rots your own heart out, but it rots other people's hearts. How many of you have been with people where you're like, ah, I love them, but I know I've got to endure for the first 10 minutes every single thing that has gone wrong and all the things that could go wrong. Well, you know, my uncle, he's in the hospital. Like, you're going to tell me every single person you even tangentially know who might be in the hospital. <laughs> like, that's going to be... How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's our first... Just in every single negative thing is the filter for everything. Listen, God will deliver you from that. He will deliver you from that. There is fear and self-protection in that that he wants to deliver you from because it's also keeping you from more intimacy with him because you're in control of stuff. All right, I'll move fast. It's getting quieter and quieter. Gratitude helps us to realize what we have. And it lessens our need for wanting more and more. When we live in gratitude, we don't live in this need for more and more and more because we're feeling so much gratefulness for what we actually have. Right? It helps to quench that, that thirst. And then gratitude strengthens our relationships and improves our health. It reduces stress. And in general, it just makes us happier people to live in gratitude. So I want to just really quickly go through a few steps. Okay, we can all agree gratitude's good. So what do you do? Number one, notice your day-to-day world from a point of gratitude and be amazed at all the goodness we take for granted. How often will we find ourselves, if it's like tomorrow we say, I'm going to notice everything good that happens to the day, how often we'll find ourselves having to readjust our perspective. Ask the Father to shift your heart toward people and situations where all you could see was the negative. Begin to look for what's good here. What could God be doing here? What, what can I be grateful for here? Number two, plan for gratitude. Make a list of 12 people and say once a month, I want to write a letter to people throughout my life who blessed me who've been good to me. Do it once a week, once a month. But why not start out, make a list and say, I'm going to work through this list this year. Just gratitude. Three, as you make your list, ask yourself, did I run into any issues of stinginess? I made a list a couple years ago that I worked through and I realized there were people I wanted to thank. This has actually been a few years ago. Um, I wanted to thank them, but the relationship hadn't been perfect. And so I was hesitant to write them the letter of thankfulness for the things that had been good. I'm just being honest with you. And I was a little bit embarrassed at my own heart. Um, I heard a, a sermon from He said this. He said that he wouldn't encourage people with issues as he realized about himself. He said, I punished them with my silence so they wouldn't forget about their shortcomings. I don't want to encourage them while they're still doing this. 
because then maybe they'll forget. I disagree with them on this. Are you with me? What if we just allowed ourselves to encourage what's good and let God handle this? Most of us have set our peace on that, this anyway. They know. So if you run into issues of stinginess where you're like, man, I'd love to thank him for this, but there's this other issue. Let God reorient your heart in that. For keep a gratitude journal. All it requires is noting one or more things you're grateful for on a daily basis. You don't need a fancy notebook. You don't need a computer program. You can just, every day, I'm going to write down something I can be grateful for. Make a vow not to complain, or criticize, or gossip for 10 days. I'm not saying a year, 10 days. And if you slip, rally your willpower and keep going. <laughs> Notice the amount of energy you were spending on negative thoughts and actions. And the last thing, because we want to make it to our destiny. And gratitude positions our heart toward God so we can do it. It makes room for others. He wants to bring into our lives because we don't just need us, right? We need to be surrounded. Last thing, as we come to the communion table today, as we come into worship, actually, you can stand. Worship team, come on up. Begin to allow Thanksgiving, which is your spoken gratitude, allow your Thanksgiving to God to come out of your mouth. Let that be like the runway for your worship. When everyone else is singing other words to songs, you can be saying and singing whatever you want. We're Pentecostal, right? We can do that. So <laughs> when, when Alyssa says, hey, just sing out your own words, or just times people are singing other words, I'm just singing whatever's in my heart at that moment. Let Thanksgiving be your runway. Because Thanksgiving is about what he has done for you. So you start saying, thank you, God. I didn't know how that bill was going to get dealt with, but you did. Thank you, God, for that situation. Thank you, God, you gave me peace. I've been so sad about this, and I had peace last night. Thank you, God. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. And that thankfulness, thanksgiving, will turn to worship. Because you'll move past, thank you so much, I love you because you did these things for me. It'll just start moving toward, I love you because of who you are. That thanksgiving for what he's done will take you into worship for who he is. Let it be your runway to position your heart so you can worship him, which isn't based on anything he's done. If you didn't do one more thing, I worship you because you're good, you're Lord, you're worthy, right? So as we begin to worship, as we come to the communion table, let Thanksgiving come out of your mouth, your own words to him, not just in your head. It can be audible only to you, but there's something powerful actually coming out of your mouth. Let Thanksgiving come out of your mouth to the Lord and let that be your runway straight into worship. Fear 
with what you are Faithful forever you will be Faithful you are All your promises are yes and amen All your promises are yes and amen Savior, you have brought me here. You pulled me from the ashes. You have broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive Lord, I, I can't help but sing. Come on, sing it out. Sing faithful. Faithful. Faithful forever you will be Faithful you are All your promises are yes and amen All your promises are yes and amen All your promises and all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises, all your promises are yes and amen. Oh, faithful, faithful, you are. Oh, faithful, forever you will be, Jesus. Faithful, you are. Yes and amen. Oh, we believe in Jesus. All your promises are yes and amen. Oh, all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises, Jesus. All your promises. Come on, let's sing it 
promises are yes and amen. Thank you, Jesus. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. We set our minds on you. All your promises are yes and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We set our hearts and our minds on you, God. And so we believe we set our hearts and our minds on you and on your word. Renew our minds. Renew our minds. Up our voice, we lift up our hearts to Jesus. We know who we are, we know who we are as your children. We know who we are, we are fully loved, we are fully loved by you, Jesus. Oh, we are children, God. Yes, we are. Whom the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God, yes I am. Whom the sun, whom the sun sets free, oh is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I, I am. I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me not against me I am who you say I am come on sing it out I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am you are for you are for me not against me I am who you say I am oh I am yes I am who you say I am yes I am Yes, I am who you say I am who my son says free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am in my father's house, in my father's house. There's a place for me I'm a child of God yes I am I am chosen 
I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Thank you, Lord. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am. Yes, I am who you say I am. Oh, I am. Yes, I am who you say I am. Whom the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Come on, we're going to sing until we believe. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Sing, I'm chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for, you are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me against me I am who you say I am yes I am who you say I am the sun sets free oh it's free indeed I'm a child of God yes I am Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I This is who we are. We are children, Father. We are children. We are the hope on this earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Those who are helping us with the communion today, would you come forward? We're going to continue to worship as we receive communion. so powerful to realize you put your faith in Christ, your son, daughter of God. <laughs> Parents love their children in all the stages, <laughs> even the difficult ones. We come to this table, we're reminded we're children of God. He is not withholding from us. Part of um, 
letting people know our needs. Um, it's so humbling because we want to pretend like we don't have them. <laughs> it's okay that you have needs. <laughs> and this table reminds us Jesus has carried every single thing. He is not going to meet everybody else where they're at and not you because something's uniquely wrong with you. <laughs> he doesn't withhold from his children. So as we um, come and receive the emblems, you can hold on to them and take them back to your seat and then we'll partake together. If I could have some prayer team folks come up too, if you need prayer today, why don't you come on up to either side or, or in the back, wherever you're going to go to. And then uh, for prayer team folks, um, if you hold on to your communion, then those that come to pray with you, you guys can receive together acknowledging Christ's finished work. <laughs> Whatever issue we have finds its resolution in Jesus Christ, every single one. And so as you take your emblems, you can just take those, then go to uh, one of the prayer partners, and they'll pray with you. We'll come down the middle aisle and then come up the side aisles back to our seats as we continue to worship. Let's come to receive the emblems. Remember what Christ has done for us. Amen. Washed 
washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life. Up from the dead, oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and betrayed that night, he brought his disciples together, even the one who would betray him. He washed their feet, he broke bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood, and it's spilled for you. Do this in remembrance of me until I come. <laughs> and so we're here today. 2,000 years later <laughs> with this symbol of his body that is broken and his blood that has been shed and we are reminded that all the brokenness in this fallen world is going to find its resolution on the cross of Christ and in his resurrection and even now he is making all things new even now he is making all things new so as we sit here today as individual believers and as a church body, we need to leave with our cup full, <laughs> right? We don't have to be afraid to express our need to him. We recount his goodness and then we lift up the cup of salvation and say, Lord, fill it up. I still have need of you. <laughs> fill it up, Lord. He has already paid the cost. Don't waste anything he's done. He's already paid it. So together we'll take this emblem of his body that was broken, his life to us. We'll take this emblem of the cup, his 
blood that was spilled is life to us. And we'll say, Jesus, we remember and we won't waste it. Come, we lift this cup to you. Fill it up, the cup of our salvation. Amen. As we were singing, I felt like I had a, a word. I think it's for more than one person in the room. Um, but I'll just give it to all of us, and it's for you. But I felt like there was um, just even like someone contemplating, more than one person, some honest conversations you need to have, and maybe a fear of, I don't know what's going to happen once. We had the honest conversation. I felt God was really speaking like, there are people around you who wonder, like, is this person, like, for real? Like, they wonder if what you say to them, like, can this be real? Like, they see the goodness of God in you. And they wonder if it's real, like, because most people will say one thing to your face, then behind your back, they tell their real opinion, right? And they wonder if it's real. And I, I feel like there's almost like a release in the room, like, if God is leading you into having come some conversations you know you need to have, and you're afraid of what happens relationally, even if what you see on the surface is one thing, I really feel like God's speaking, like, it's going to reassure this person what they're seeing in you is real because you have honest conversations with them. And there's something of God they're seeing in you. They see the glory of God in you. And it's going to bridge the gap for them to be able to actually trust what you carry as you carry the presence of God. And it's going to make room for salvation. So I, I don't think it's everyone in the room, but I think for those of you if that resonates with you, I just want to encourage you. I want you to be filled with courage today that you can act on what God is showing you. You're not going to mess it up. You're not going to screw it up. He is a way of even taking what our efforts are, seem feeble and weak as we practice the things he teaches us. And man, the Holy Spirit brings it home. So you don't have to live in fear. You can do the things that he's guiding you to do and then trust him in it. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. He will not withhold from you. What you got? How we end him? <laughs> Let's do great as thy faithfulness. That's a good one to end Thanksgiving on, yeah? Faithfulness, oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Oh, great, great is thy faithfulness.
Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, <laughs> forever. Amen. Amen. <laughs> God bless you. Express some thankfulness to somebody in the house. Yeah, greet somebody new. 